listening to County Live with me, Martin Johnson, over here. Me, Martin Johnson, over there. We're sitting in a little box, so it might be a little bit echoey and uh, uh, some ambient noise as well, but I think that's quite nice. It's currently Thursday evening and we've just got back from training. The reason I'm saying that is in case any of my bosses are listening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bosses don't care. So. Yeah, just sit over there, do what, do whatever you want. Um, but uh, an interesting weekend. Some things to celebrate, some things to complain about. But all in all, just about the right result or not the right result. That's one one of a way to woking, of course. I was uh, I was in the car. I quite often listen to the show when I'm in the car going to the tip um, in in Cheadle. So we in Cheadle, Cheadle. Where is it? Where would you say the tip is? Cheadle. Cheadle, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we were in Cheadle going to the tip and I just turned on and County scored and then by the time we got home, obviously Woking had scored. Yeah. So I was expecting, um, from the way the match was going, I was expecting a, a lot more to happen but then uh, the match kind of settled down into a pattern. Yeah, blistering opening 10 minutes end to end, County go one up, a couple of minutes later, um, Woking equalise. <sighs> i got to say, for me, it wasn't the right result. I thought that was a winnable game. Um, and when you're in, you know, when you're in the punch up for a, a playoff place, which, which we're currently in, um, I, f- I feel like we, we, those are the games you look back and you think we could have taken three points there. Admittedly, um, horror tackle, um, takes the, the opportunity for victory away from us, if you like. Um, and yes, I've had a little bit of grief online because at the time I said it was a good tackle, but, from where we were sitting, it looked like that. Having seen it back, you know, that's um, a free kick on the edge of the box and a red card. Uh, Sam Walker puts the free kick in. They've got 10 men to then try and get back into the game. I think we win that. Um, but it's not the referee's fault. Once again, uh, you know, poor refereeing, but you don't blame it all on that. I thought we just lacked a little bit of cutting edge in front of goal. Um, I thought their goal was a little sloppy on our part, but in fairness, our goal was probably a little sloppy on their part. So um, it was a fair result on the day. But if you'd asked me before the game, would I have taken a point? Probably not. And the great thing about Danny's goal, of course, is that he dedicated it to his newborn son. He did. Um, yeah, after the game last week, um, uh, he had a little boy in the early hours. I think Sunday, I think I'm right saying, but I may be wrong. Um, and he's, you could just tell how much more it meant to him. Danny's an emotional guy. You know, when, when, um, when he scores, he celebrates by pointing at the tattoos and pointing up to the sky and things because of, of loved ones that, that are no longer with us. So the, the added emotion that will have been added to him from having a son, um, is you can't imagine it. It'll be tenfold. And, um, I think it's quite nice that it's happened here with County. I mean, I can't speak for too much of his time at Peterborough or Salford or anywhere else, but I know that he sees County as, as almost like an extended family. So the fact that it's happened while he's with County and I don't know, maybe he just feels a little bit more accepted. Um, but, uh, yeah, great for Danny. And like you say, when, when you say the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, when it's good, it's very, very good. Um, for Danny just to get on the score sheet, not the most spectacular goal you'll ever see, but ask him if he cares about that. I don't think he will one bit. And go back to the ugly part of it, that tackle, not just a bad tackle and, you know, not just robbing of us of a potential goal, potential red card, but the fact that Liam McElindon is now out for a few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear. We've not had, a, to my knowledge anyway, an official 
he'll be out for this long. But um, he must, you know, there was talk of him coughing up blood after the game. Um, at least he's got a crack rib there. And again, I'm no doctor, but as I understand it, there's not a direct heal for that. You just have to let it heal. You can't kind of bandage it up and, and say on you go, which is a shame really, because, you know, he was just kind of making that spot his own. And where where he didn't have, you know, he, he he's not um, set the world alight. He's, he's starting nicely to link up with the players around him, which is what you want from that number nine. You know, you, you look at the way Frank did it last year. You look at the way Jason Oswell did it the year before, where he was, he was able to just link up with the players behind them, bring those into play. You know, um, Jason had, uh, Matty Warburton, Frank had Matty Warburton, uh, Jason had Danny Lloyd and whatever else. Well, now he's got Elliot Osborne and Danny Lloyd and, and Adam Thomas to bring in. And he was doing that really well. There was a lot of, um, slicing balls, if you like, that was cutting the lines out, and and he was really starting to link up to those. And you'll see this is a bit of a setback if it is a couple of weeks, and and hopefully it is only a couple of weeks because with Ebbsfleet at the weekend, that was a chance for him to to get his name on the score sheet in a game that we really should be winning. That's now gone, but yeah, if it's only a couple of weeks, and I hope it is, then um, you know, get get back straight on onto the horse. Well, we are, we are recording this on Tuesday night, so we'll put the interview with Jim in here. Hey Jim, it's a Wednesday evening, not a Thursday evening. Uh, welcome to Stockport County Live. Tough, uh, tough draw on the road at the weekend. Just talk to us a little bit about the walking game. Yeah, I felt uh, fairly confident going to the game. Um, not because Walking's form away from home, but the Walking's form at home was really good. I just thought that after the Bromley game, we looked capable of a clean sheet. We were starting to look more threatening from open play. So they looked very threatening from set plays and, um, great start. Got a goal from a corner again. Um, just disappointing because the work we on the training ground to let them have a goal from their first long throw was, was poor. But we worked really hard in the game to contain them. Um, did all the manly stuff. Game was pretty poor affair for people watching. Um, either team could have took the chances and, and got it, but I don't think anybody really deserved to win the game. What was what was going through your mind when so Danny Lloyd put County in front after five minutes, a few minutes later Woken have equalised. You'd have been forgiven for thinking this is going to be a real barnstormer. It didn't play out like that. But after ten minutes when it was one all, what's going through your mind? Did, did you expect this kind of opening? Um I expected it to be a very, very tight game. Uh, Woken didn't go don't give much. I think the previous two games did one one nil, one nil. Um so you know you're going to a tough place where they they worked really hard to contain you. I felt that um, probably the two goals were probably a measure of people just not really... It's all right doing stuff on the training ground, uh, but then people being a co- bit cold by what a team does. And I think uh, I noticed that Woking, once we turned them once, they adapted and played deeper. Uh, once we did certain corners, they adjusted players. So I think we caught them on the first one, but we weren't going to catch them again. The same way they caught us on the first long throw, but didn't catch us again. So I think it was that kind of game where the two defences were were mean and switched on after the first mistake. They, they got themselves in a position where they weren't going to be caught again. And um, in that sense, it was up to the forwards to show a little bit more quality, a little bit more variety, uh, do things differently, or just be a little bit more aggressive in what they did to, to cause a problem. But I don't think either team did enough really to, to deserve that second goal and winning goal. Danny Lloyd gets his first goal since returning to the club. Uh, you must have been delighted for him. It's, it's it's positive for him, but it's a positive for the club if he if, if the floodgates can open now. 
Yeah, it was an interesting one because he's he's had um, opportunities in games before, and um, we had we had this scenario with um, Matty Warburton, and um, when he was taking corners, and we found that there was a little bit of we weren't very consistent set plays and then we thought well can we find another role another player with Sam Walker coming to the team we thought well Danny Lloyd's one of these that can sniff out an opportunity in around the penny box so we put him on the edge and a little bit like Warby when he went on the edge we tried him at taking corners we tried him on the keeper we tried him on the near post run eventually when he went on the edge he scored six goals from the edge of the on corners so um, it was interesting to see Danny score such a goal because that wouldn't be his typical type of goal um, but he took it really well Again, great ball in, great presence in the six-yard box to make sure we get first contact. And then if players are on the toes like Danny was um, and you get contact in that sort of crowd. Um, so I was really pleased for him, really pleased for the team because we we wanted a good start. Um, really disappointed in how we allowed uh, not just walking the opportunity from the long throw, uh, but also the way that we conceded. Territory and allow them to come down the pitch. Poor clearances, um, cheap set plays given, and uh, I think teams will prey on that if you if you're weak. And um, and we need to be stronger in that scenario uh, to make sure they don't get anywhere near our bottom third. Never mind get an opportunity to throw a ball in the box. I'm wary of of going down a path. I don't wanna, I don't wanna tempt you into saying something that maybe you shouldn't on air. But let's talk about the Liam McAlinden incident for a moment. He's, I must admit, when we saw it from sitting from behind the incident it looked like a good tackle you see the videos back I'm sure you've seen them now the referee's perfectly positioned or so it seems for a very bad tackle he's injured I'm going to ask you for an update on him personally in a moment but when you see that back just just, just give us what goes through your mind when you see that video yeah I think I think the context of the the uh, it was a big tackle from the lad it was a can't use the words but it was one of them win or bust kind of tackles um um because Liam's took it back across him and it hit him, um, but I think the majority of that impact was that the player was intention was to was to make sure that he didn't pass. Um, like the, the, I thought the referee was pretty poor throughout the game. Um, if their crowd shouted, their players shouted. He gave it um, some strange instance in the second half where our players seemed to be fouled, and yet he gave us yellow cards for yeah. backing in or whatever we were doing. So. Um, I'm finding, unfortunately, um, the standard, I've not commented before, but I thought the standard refereeing at this level has been much poorer than last year. The only referee I can remember being irritated by was the one that spent more, who had a, re- a shocking game. I think he made a terrible decision uh, to send Sam Walker off and then after that deteriorated terribly and had a really poor game. Um, but at this level, given that they're all mic'd up and they're all supposed to be fitter and all better quality because they're high, finding some really poor decisions some some challenges that have been let go um, but look that's the nature of the game um, you could see Liam's threat um, fortunately I mean obviously we fought with the way that it was a heavy fall um, so I don't think it was the the, the challenges sort of, but it was the way he was knocked off balance and it was like obviously his feet were taken from him in a way that he didn't really get a chance to to uh, you know break his fall as such so he crashed um you watch it again, he gets a, a heavy <clears throat> bang to his chest, he gets a heavy bit of a whiplash. Um, but fortunately, um, he sat out Monday, but he, um, he did a little bit of work to see if his breathing was okay, but he trained last night and looked uh, back to his best. So really, really fortunate that um, the incident didn't cause more damage because when he's come off, the way he was carrying the injury, 
you're fearing the worst. And then when you sat on the bench and he's coughing up blood, you're kind of thinking, well, that sounds serious. Sounds like my, maybe we're looking at a cracked rib. Maybe I, I don't think a punch of lung because we would have had massive symptoms. Um, but I think that the whole fall probably caused significant uh, soft tissue damage, but not enough now that he's you know had a few days to recover. So with that that being said, then there was a couple of players carrying other other knocks and niggles. Uh, Adam Thomas came off at half time physically after the the Woking game. How how are the squad looking? Yeah, uh, Dan Cowan uh, felt his back over the weekend, um, so he missed training Monday. And Adam Thomas, number one, um, came off with his. Let's not say it was a hamstring, but obviously there was something there that was really concerning him, and he felt he couldn't get, do himself justice. And what you know, the discretion was a better part of valour, as they say. And he withdrew himself, which was a disappointment for us because because of the depth of squad, we don't really have another option there, um, you know. But um, like I said, we, we adjusted and, um, you know, we got through the game and then you're having to change your set plays and then the, 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 the um, everything's a little bit less um, neat and tidy as such because you're having to ask players to do different roles. Um, yeah, but I think um, Adam didn't train last night. Um, we're expecting him to try it out Thursday. Again, if I had... Um, a few more options across the front line. Uh, you know, we've, we've effectively only really had one ring, one right winger all season in Adam. Um, if I had more options, I'd probably say, look, let's let him have a full rest and fully recover. Uh, we obviously had um, the opportunity with other players to rest them and change them. But in Adam's case, it was one of them where the only option is to, is maybe to move um, a player out up there from full back or maybe Arsley and McLean to play out there and play a, a nine. Um, but Liam's been such a threat down the middle um, uh, and done a lot of the stuff we want we want to try and avoid being him being the aerial outlet um, so we've been working really hard on our distribution from goal kicks and throw-ins to make sure that we're not just throwing it on top of the big man um, you could see that we got less joy as we did that during the game um, but players do resort to that kind of safe and I think faultless play rather than being measured and controlled and looking for uh, players that maybe the percentages are more in your favour, whether that be behind them, dropping into players. But football is all about seeking out where your spare player is, not theirs. I want to speak about Ebbs Fleet in a moment. Let's speak about the stage of the season. Right? I feel like we had this a few games ago after Christmas and then now we're here at another milestone. We're going into the last 10 games. What's the mood around the camp? What are the expectations in training? Do you speak about 10 games to go? Do you still look at just one game at a time? How how, how does that evolve? Um, it's, it's, it's bizarre because it's been a strange season full of many ups and many inconsistencies and it's been a quite a roller coaster. But if we take stock and go back and have a look at the budget we had and the structures we had, um, there was a lot of concerns about what we'd be doing this season. Uh, you only have to look at, say, where Chorley are to understand the significance of a team that does really well at one level comes up and then, wow, uh, totally out of the depth as such. But we haven't been. Um, we've been a credit to the, the players, have been a credit to the club, and the club's been a credit to the National League, uh, even within its structures. Um, to be sat here now with 51 points with 10 games to go, I think, is a tremendous achievement. Uh, uh, I wasn't trying to underplay or overplay anything by saying that if we stayed up this year, it was as good an achievement as uh, winning last year. And I, and I imagine that 
Surely we're still having that feeling and many other teams, even Woking and Torquay, the other teams that have come up are probably still thinking, mm, we did brilliant last year, but uh, a great achievement would be staying in this league and being in this for another year and being able to grow into it. So in that sense, to be uh, one of the highest placed teams with the promoter to, with our structures is, is a great credit to the players. Obviously, with Mark Stock coming into the club, everything's changed dramatically. We Even at the start of the season, we would be we'd be looking for consolidation minimum then seeing how we adapt and maybe being optimistic about being the top 10 maybe even if we got a run of play a run of form got some quality loans in got everybody fit and everybody you know energetic then perhaps we could we could achieve the unachievable by being the playoffs I think with the remark coming in and a few players coming in. We've had some negatives with the turmoil that's created and the uncertainty with a lot of players about what's happening with them. But I think we're starting to see now with Danny Lloyd, Liam Hogan, Liam McElindon and the quality that we're bringing in. If we keep adding that over the next two or three weeks while the window's still open, there's every chance of us uh, achieving something spectacular this year, you know, by getting the playoffs. And then it, the playoffs is, is anybody's game. Um, but yeah, no, I kind of think we, without resting on laurels, we've achieved. And I think... When we talk tomorrow night, we'll be talking about how we set out to achieve a certain thing this season and we've done that. And what we want to do now is look at the next target and that's the playoffs. And I think with 10 games to go, we should be really excited. I mean, nobody's making that their own. Uh, it's wide open. A couple of teams have been able to uh, get a little bit of run of form and a couple of wins makes a huge difference. And I just look back at the last three or four games and even the Dover game, the sending off and the, the two goals we conceded, we should have had so much more points at the last four games. Um, so we need to get better. We need to be more efficient, we need to be more stronger at the back and given less chances. And if we keep working hard on the training ground and keep improving ourselves and maybe add one or two more, then it's an exciting time ahead for us. Just on that point then, you mentioned adding one or two more. Is it a case of you're actively seeking to improve certain areas or do you have your eyes on players and just seeing how they evolve or are you waiting on scout reports coming back? It's, fans' ears will prick up when they hear that. and they, I guess it's more of an insight into how you're thinking when looking at players. Yeah, I said this at the time that we you know, we were expecting lots of people to approach us with players and that, that happens because agents and clubs are trying to position their players for football elsewhere. Um, in our particular case, we've highlighted the type of players, the characters we want, the type of people we want, the type of professionals, the positions we want. And we're going uh, to, to try and get those players. And fortunately, we've, we've got two or three in already. Uh, we've identified people that we, we're, we're discussing with now. Uh, I'd like to think we can get them into the club in the next couple of weeks, but otherwise, um, the least we'd want is to position ourselves to get them in the summer. Um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in terms of negotiating with our own players about who's involved and, and who's not involved, and that's that's very difficult because some life-changing decisions for some players. A lot of people might want to stay aboard, but how much football would they play? So all these things are up in the air, but I think things are moving quite quickly and we'd like to get get to a position but it's a difficult market the real top quality nobody wants to lose them uh, there's not many clubs who are have got so many players that they can afford three or four league players to be allowed to go somewhere else I think everybody because of the nature of the league system everybody's fighting for something uh, so we're working really hard on a couple of targets working really hard on people that perhaps will be on the Bosmans in the summer uh, other people that we might try and prize out their clubs so there's a lot of work to be done um, I think Simon's very conscious of a couple of attacking options now maybe 
one or two other players that might sort of strengthen the squad uh, going into the last 10 games and have a real push. Um, but we're also very mindful of the next layer of players for the summer because um, this is only the start of the excitement that we want to bring to the fans. Uh, we want to obviously finish this season as strong as we can with the current group and the ones we had, but also going into next season with more of the type of signings that we're seeing. Um, and then if we have a bigger, stronger squad with better experienced players and full time, then we can iron out all those inconsistencies that we've had, you know, this season uh, where we haven't really had the depth of squad. We haven't had players that could sustain uh, the tempo from one month to the next with the, the, the amount of games that are thrown at you this level. So, um, yeah, exciting times ahead. But yeah, we are actively looking. I'd, I'd love to get one or two more players in before the window shuts. And um, we're working really hard on that. But I always say to Simon that while he's doing that and while we discuss that, I've got to maximise the current group. Um, the only player that I think is a doubt for Saturday might be Adam Thomas. Um, that might mean a role for somebody else in the team. But we do have Eddie Clark and Paul Turnbull coming back into the squad. So that should strengthen us in other areas and give us the depth and the security should we have any other injuries. Because uh, we've, we've, had, we've had more than our fair share of injuries and interruptions at the moment. Um, so it's, I'd like to be able to get the players a, a bit more consistent and get them working together. So I try and integrate them all. But um, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to be done, both on the training pitch and in the market and um, to make us just get better and better every week. Absolutely then, the weekend, it's, we know it's going to be a tough game. They all are, especially at this stage of the season. But what do you know uh, of the hosts this weekend? What, what kind of game can we expect? I think it's going to be really tough. I mean... Um, obviously I've seen the video from Saturday and it sounds like a comprehensive victory for Chesterfield but it was tight for 65 minutes and I think the um, the extra attacker that Chesterfield had come on and scored a hat-trick and um, I think once that first goal goes in you start chasing the game to get some points um, Chesterfield hurt Ebsfleet I think Ebsfleet made five changes for the next game I think they added a little bit more physical power up front and he'll go come back into the side and he got himself a couple of goals uh, and that was a huge game to bounce back with um, to go to Maidenhead and get a result and if you like one of the teams you're trying to catch so um, but I think that we're at that stage of the season where sometimes form goes out the window you, you're going to see teams like Ebsley and Wrexham and Chesterfield pick up points that you never thought they could get uh, a month ago never mind six months ago um, teams at the top uh, can't buy a win. Some of them, you know, and falling out of the playoffs. So um, we've just got to keep our heads and just keep working hard. But we've, we've got to treat this with the, the utmost respect. We've, in some regards, the, the last three games has been really tough. You know, to have to go to London, and get a draw, um, possibly could, could have got a win, and get a, a good win at home, and then go away again on, on, on overnighter and get a good result. Could have perhaps got a win, and I like to think this time now that we've learned from those last two experiences. Make sure we're rock solid, keep a clean sheet, because I feel we've got we've got enough about us to go and win the game if we keep a clean sheet and we don't let them have the opportunities that they they have. But they're a different side now after Tuesday's game, and um, uh, it'd be interesting to see. They've got a good group of players there now that have got a little bit of life and a little bit of confidence from that last game, and. Um, it's going to be a huge chance for us because they've got to look at this and their home games as really being the ones they've got to win if they're going to try and get to that 48, 50 points or catch the teams that are just above them, that little dashed line that sits four places above the bottom at the moment. Do you set 
targets for runs like this, the last 10 games, then the last five, you look at who the fixtures are, do you look at them and think, that's a win there, that's a draw, mm, take a win there, take, take a draw there, whatever. Do you do that going into this stage? Not really, no. Like I said, you've got to just try your hardest to get everything out of games. And I think the last four games, we could have got more out of them. And that's just us being ruthless in the six-yard box when it comes to heading out. Uh, or ruthless in the six yard, or, you know, in one on one situations. Um, you know, the, the stats that we get now are, uh, show that we're clearly, uh, we're not a great football in terms, in terms of passing, but we create opportunities. We're, um, very strong in terms of set plays compared to a lot of teams in the league in terms of opportunities we take and restricting opportunities. And that served us really well and been a huge difference between us and several teams at the bottom. But we've got to make that now and add more aspects of that keep those elements strong but go up you know and try and create all those one-on-ones we're creating all those opportunities cross to come to the box we need to get people in better positions and t- start taking those chances if we're going to start seeing ourselves deserving of wins rather than taking wins um but obviously uh one game at a time um you could say you need to x points or y points um, i think you just got to take each game i think this is a really important one because it sets us up brilliant for what will be a tough yeah. game against barnet and i think if we get a win here and go into the game with a little bit more um confidence a little bit more feeling of assuredness about what we are and what we're becoming uh, barnet would be a huge game and then you know you've got tough games against barrows and and other teams but uh, we've just got to go and work hard and give everything on Saturday, make sure we come away with three points and then the Barnet game looks really exciting in terms of positioning yourself for the playoffs. But isn't that the case for six or seven other teams that like Barnet that will be fighting us too for now for them positions? Just finally, Jim, you've already touched on it. It's, it's another long trip down south. Quite a cluster of these trips um, all bunched together. The fans go down in terrific number again, week in, week out. I expect it'll be the same again this Saturday. What do you say to those fans who make all these trips and you can still hear them cheering you on from whether you're winning, drawing or losing? Uh, before I come on on them, I think probably one of the things I, I would, I wish somebody would write to the league and ask them why did he have us playing Bromley away on a Tuesday night hmm. after playing Dover away on a Saturday. Why have we got three overnighters in one month? Um, why have we got two away games in a row? We've had some strange situations this year where we've um, we've been forced to go to places on a strange night when surely common sense should prevail in terms of midweekers being more like the Christmas games, closer where people can actually get to the game and they're not having to lose days at work, whether they be part-time players or, or fans who want to get to every game. But yeah, no, I think it's been brilliant for our fans this year. You know, um, I think a lot of them were maybe tired of uh, where they were where they were going to matches last year. And I think like when you go to Notts County, and I'm sure when they went to Wrexham, and, and they'd, they'd be all looking forward to Chesterfield and all all these 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 clubs. You know that we've been to, um, and even the new ones. And then we've got so many fans down south. I mean, we're all scattered everywhere now. Everybody's nobody lives and works perhaps where they used to live, and um, so uh, when I was down at the Dagenham game, I had so many fans come up to me and said, great, the National League, we get to see eight or nine games down our way. So for them, it's a local game. Um, but yeah, no, credit to our fans. Um, hopefully we've been, in the majority of cases, given them enough to, 
to support and cheer about and and in some magnificent days out, whether that be Fylde, whether that be Wrexham. Um, and hopefully we'll see a few more of them because um, I think the excitement's going to start rising. And, um, you know, I think Alex Ferguson had a, a saying for it, but I think it's that stage of the season now where forget about the nerves and that. It's all, it's so exciting. There's so much to be played for. And, you know, we're not talking about the playoffs as such. We're talking about a real opportunity to get into a situation where, you're two or three wins away from being in the football league again. And that's a huge thing. And that's going to breed excitement and, and energy that hopefully will will uh, last long in the memories as we look forward over the summer to the, this time next year. It's a big game. It's a big 10 games coming up, Jim. All the very best. So, Chris, just to finish off on Woking then, who who stood out for you? It's a good question. Um, I, I think it's hard to say any really standout players, um, but the the man of the the week, if you like, the man is you've got to give it Danny Lloyd, haven't you? He's um, he's got his first goal um, since coming back to the club. He's he's had a kid, <laughs> you know. He's um, he's probably walking on cloud nine right now. Uh, and if there's one player that you want walking on cloud nine, it's Danny Lloyd. There was a, there was a moment in the game last week where. Um, the right back who was tasked with marking Danny, and it was a really good battle. It was a really good matchup, those two. He had a, a hell of a long throw on him, and um, they got Woking got a, a throw in on their left wing. So the the right back's trotting over to take it, and the manager's going mad at him, telling him to get back. You're not having this throw in. He's got, and you could hear him. He's saying, "Are you joking? Leaving Danny Lloyd on his own? <laughs> you just don't do it. You just don't do it." So um, that's the impact Danny can have on and off the ball. Um, that's that confidence will have grown tenfold with the goal, with with the little one on board. You know he's he's embarking on a new chapter now. So, um, congratulations to him. It's not the biggest news he's had all week, but the big news is he's the Stockport County Live Podcast Man of the Week. We we really need a spreadsheet for our um, Player of the Week. But uh, always following Player of the Week is who you're going to keep in your your eye on. County going now to Ebbsfleet, as you said, so another long trip. Um, they're not doing too well. So, you know, County will be feeling confident about that. But it's an important game because of the time of the season, because of what's going on around County in the table at the moment. To, to sound respectful as I can to Ebbsfleet, you, you probably say they're already down. There was, they're, they're, they're pretty close to being already down. Um, therefore, the one to watch for me this week is whoever plays in that number nine shirt. You would have imagined it would have been Liam McAlinden. If he makes a miracle recovery, then it will be him who is the one to watch. If it's Niall Bell who picks the shirt up, as I expect it will be at this moment in time on Tuesday, um, then it'll be Niall Bell. With the Wake County signing players at the minute, it wouldn't surprise you if, if there was a new signing. So whoever plays that number nine, for me, is going to be the one to watch, simply because they are leading the line against a team that Chesterfield put four past last week. This is Chesterfield who are also in the relegation zone. If Chesterfield can put four past them, I expect us to be doing, hopefully, the same, <laughs> maybe, maybe more. Um, I know that's a very broad way of looking at it. I know football doesn't usually work like that, but we should be beating Ebsfleet. I would take a 1-0 if you offered it me now because I think goal different, our goal difference isn't great. So if we have to rely on it at the end of the season, I don't think one game against Ebsfleet is going to make or break that. Um, that being said, the one to watch for me is whoever's going to lead the line because their role is crucial on um, on Saturday. It's got to be them that we keep an eye on. So to round off um, this show, you managed to sit down with Fuzzy Sun, as promised, on Sunday at the Blossoms Pub. 
Did you have a roast? I didn't have a roast. Um, I play football on a Sunday evening. Um, so I restricted myself to one um, pint of protein, Coca-Cola. Other soft drinks are available. And um, yeah, just just had a chat with, um, with with Mitch and he's a great guy. Listen, we've, we've, we've crossed past this before um, in the music world. Um, he, he was formerly in a band called Moors that contained one of the lads from Blossoms. So there was a crossover there. But um, I was very keen to kind of make this one about Fuzzy Sun, not about Blossoms. We know who Blossoms are. They're great. They do. They, Fuzzy Sun are the one to keep an eye on now. If you like, that's the, that's the the way we look at it at the County Podcast. You say who's the one to watch this week? Well, I think for me, the ones to watch are Fuzzy Sun because they are making waves. Um, it's great that Mitch is a County fan. It's great that the gig that they supported Blossoms at Edgeley Park. He actually wore Jim Gannon's promotion shirt from Chesterfield all those years ago. Um, it's great to hear that it's in his blood. He's an avid fan, season ticket holder, but he obviously knows his music as well. So um, it was great to have a sit down with him in an in a now iconic Stockport pub, uh, even if we were only drinking Coca Cola. He was drinking fruit juice. I don't know what his excuse was, but um, yeah, this this was my catch up with him. Well, Mitch, fuzzy son, thank you very much for joining us in in the Blossoms pub uh, <laughs> in Stockport. We will speak music in a little while here for Stockport County first. Uh, tough draw on the road yesterday. Did you see much of the game at Woking? Um, I, I, I was busy actually, but uh, but I've um, followed it on Twitter and that and didn't seem like a a good one. Really, did it? No, it, I think I think we can say the less said about it, the better. Mm. Which which is uh, inviting us to to move on fairly swiftly, but. <laughs> Let's speak about Stockport County as a whole. Uh, we got chatting first of all because you come from a Stockport County family before yeah. before the music comes involved. Um, just tell us a little bit how how you got into following the club. Well, uh, my dad's a county fan and my granddad's a county fan. I've just sort of always been a county fan, really, since since being little. Do you remember those first games? Do you remember the, the seasons or the, the the players or, 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 or what what do you remember about those days? Kind of like weirdly in my head, I think my earliest sort of memory account it. I think was it Chris Williams? We had. I remember him score, like scoring like a lob at. I think, I think we were at home to Bristol City or something, and that's like my earliest memory. <laughs> I don't know when that was. No, I'm not even going to try and guess. No. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we'll do some research during yeah. the week. I don't know. But, uh, what what other players? When you think back to maybe not the first season specifically, but but just kind of as a young fan, that the, the players that first made an impression in your in your in your county mind. Kind of the first time I sort of remember us being any good was um, when Jim was first in charge, uh, and we were doing well in League Two. So like. Dickinson, Pilkington, uh, yeah, that's sort of yeah. That's that's the. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? When you when you think of those players and we had them and I know. the trajectory of, of their careers in comparison to the trajectory of Stockport County since those, but um, those players, I think they made an impression on on your era of county fans. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no one to sort of like shout about before that. As, as far as I can really remember because I, I was about 11 at the time yeah anyway and did you stick even through the, the dark years if that's where you want to come did, did you did you carry on going how you, you won't be judged <laughs> you know as a young kind of teenage fan through those years did, how, how close were you to the club there might have been like one season where I didn't I didn't go as much but I've yeah I've pretty much stuck with it throughout all the, all the and your dad and your granddad an influence on that 
yeah, that's, they're, they're who I go to games with. Um, yeah, totally. When you look at the club uh, in the last couple of seasons, the the almost playoff seasons, then the losing in the playoff seasons, and then then the winning the league. And what what were you thinking when you when you see the, the improvement of the squad and the progression of the club, especially under the man you, you mentioned a moment ago yeah. on the gym? Well, like like you said, we've always sort of improved, and uh, I've well, I've no no. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've no real worry that we're not going to continue improving yeah. over the years. Did, did, did you get a sense that when Jim came back this time that the excitement was coming back, if you like? Because you always seem to get that with Jim Gannon. When he goes, yeah. it, there's a bit of deflation, if you like, and then he comes back and he he seems to rescue us from wherever we are uh, and he's, he's done it again and, and this time he's delivered even more. Yeah. I think like, even just like the way he sort of talks in interviews was it was like so much more professional than managers that we've that we've had before him and there's no doubt in my mind that he's he's the man for the job. When you look at the the players this season, playoffs are, I mean they're not easy to get. Let's be honest about it. But but we're in we're punching. You know we're in that mix. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm I'm. I think it'd be it'd be brilliant. But I'm not expecting it. I think being a part-time team, we're still part-time, aren't we? I think being a part-time team, mid-table's fine for me this season. I mean, it'd be nice to have a push and some momentum going into next season. But Does the takeover excite you? Yeah, of course. Um, I think the job's already done this season, to be honest. Um the takeover does excite me. Just the the idea of sort of like doing up the ground and signing better players and just improving and yeah, of course it's it's exciting. Moving away from football a little bit, I, I guess if I ask you your favourite memories of Edgeley Park, <laughs> whereas the majority of them may be football related, there'll, there'll certainly be one that isn't. Oh yeah, the the gig last year with, with Blossoms was amazing, a dream come true for me. Obviously playing at, playing at the stadium. I've, Grew up watching football. Yeah, it was one of the best days of my life, definitely. Now we've we've crossed paths before. I, I don't want to speak too much about Blossoms today's today's Fuzzy Sun, but but you before you before Fuzzy Sun started, you, you had a bit of a, a joint interest, didn't you, with some of those guys? Yeah, we. I've, I was in classes with Josh at school there, and um, we were in a band at the time, just like when we were like sixteen, and uh, I've worked with. Tom and Joe and Miles at the Almalach Hotel as well. Uh, so yeah, we've all we've always sort of been mates before all the music kicked off for us as well. Tell, tell me a little bit about Fuzzy Sun then, because Moors was a, a project that I saw with you guys that obviously disbanded, and, and you've both gone on to do fairly well for yourselves, should we say? Just tell us a little bit about how Fuzzy Sun, how that project came about, and and how it grew legs. Well. Um, it came, It sort of came from meeting Kyle and working at a pub um, with Kyle and he'd just finished uni at the time and didn't really know what he was going to do with himself and like I've always wanted to make music and and, and, uh, and, and be in a band uh, it just sort of came together naturally from him but he 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 um, he knew he, he, know, he probably knows Tom and Joe from Blossom better than I do and Kyle had written these songs for 
they were like a bit different to the songs that he'd written before and um, they were sort of more accessible to, to sort of um, like a mainstream sort of pop band uh, and he was showing the he, he was showing the songs to the Blossoms guys and they were like right well we'll help you out then we'll we'll and then we got in touch with their manager who manages us now Conrad Conrad Murray um, and they were like right we'll we'll record an EP so we did a, a first EP with um, with those guys and they set up this label called Very Clever mm -hmm. um, to sort of put our music out and um, and then we did another EP with them and it sort of it, it just sort of grew from 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 having those songs yeah, I mean, working with those guys is good. Obviously, you already knew them. Conrad Murray's, a, you know, he's, he's he's almost a famous name on the scene. You know, yeah. he's, he's he's done really well over Roses the years. Exactly, you know, he, he, a lot under his belt. Does it does it give you a sense of optimism for the future for your band, knowing that you're in trusted hands, if you like? Yeah, of course. Everyone, everyone we sort of really meet and us like talks about it and asks us who we're looked after by. When we say like Comrade Murray, our, our agent Matt Bates as well, um, everyone says like they're the you're in the best possible hands. I think we've just got to sort of keep doing what we're doing, keep releasing tunes and just grow. My my background, which is why we spoke in the first place all those years ago, was was from music shows yeah. and questions that I used to love asking bands from from grassroots, from young unsigned bands, all the way up to the likes of the Foo Fighters and the Strokes were. Just tell us about when you when you first started out, when you were in the garage and you know you couldn't really dream of it. Well, you're you're in the phase of the transition, if you like. You, you, yeah. With all due respect, you're not a Foo Fighters or a Strokes no, yet. No. When you look at the future and you look at the, the possibilities of growth of 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 world tours, I know you know we'll speak about a European one in a moment, yeah. but but even further afield than that, and the support opportunities that will one day. You know, they'll evolve into your own opportunities for, for for tours and whatnot. How do you feel when you think when you when you go to bed at night and you think of those prospects in the future? What, what goes through your mind? I think um, we are confident that we can be a success, and but we're also proud of what we've done already as a band. And I think if it all end end ended tomorrow, like we'd be gutted. But some of the gigs we played and. Some of the yeah, some of the venues we played in the, in the country going to Europe next next week. And Bear, bearing in mind where this is going, is actually part of the highlight of the. I'm sure it is anyway. Yeah, gotta be. It's it's top five. I know it's. I know it's. It, it sounds. Where else? Weird where to where, say where that. else stands out? We played Castlefield Bowl with with the Wombats as well. That was great. Um, I don't know. Brixton Academy in London, the Apollo in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, and played Finsbury Park with like we did um community well, festival last year actually, with, like the Kooks and that and it was just like the sort of first first like major festival that we did yeah we've done, yeah and you hit you're hitting the road this later this week we've we've managed to corner you in a pub on a Sunday afternoon because you're not going to be around for the rest of the week no we're going uh yeah we're, we're off to Europe next week with uh with inhaler um but then what we do top lads really really good band um, first gig overseas just doing six dates in Spain and France and 
Belgium and Germany. So really excited. It's just going to be sort of like the lads' holiday. <laughs> when 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 you see the integration that can happen between sports clubs and and music, you know, musicians and bands and whatnot. And I mean, there, there is the obvious comparison, but. There are other examples, even even with Stockport County. You know, we, we spoke on the phone the other day. Mentioned bands like the Dutch Uncles, who were yeah. very much on the scene. You know, season ticket holder at County, amongst them as well. Does does it excite you that there's there is possibility for maybe a, a, a band and a club link up, however that may look in the future, with the club that you love, the the, the club that you support? Yeah, like like I say, I, I think going like further up, you've got you got. Um, the Oasis connection with, with City and um, yeah I'd love obviously I'm doing what I love in a band and I, if I could sort of tie that in with the club that I love as well I think that'd be great just finally I have to ask you the cliche stuff uh, new music on the horizon um, I'm, I'm sure you've got stuff in the can ready to go beyond that yeah. Um what you can tell me and what you can't tell me you will know certainly on air and off air but what can you say about the future for Fuzzy Sun we've um, we, we've just put out um, two tunes uh, like last month we've already recorded a new EP for, for coming out at the, at the end of April we've got a tour booked for, for the end of May as well um, to sort of tie in with a new new music and festivals beyond that and, and I think you just got to keep looking forward like once you've done one thing I think we always come off stage and we're like right what next it's, it's like, like as amazing like as Edgerly Park was we were like right we've done it now yeah. we, we've got to keep we've got to keep going up and, yeah, and yeah. we want a headline there one day if if it's if it's possible well, you can make it possible. Well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now. Right, okay. Um, you, you, you've been offered a gig. You've, you've been offered a gig at uh, Wembley Arena. Big gig. Really looking forward to it. But it's on the day of the playoff final. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, my dad says this all the time. I think, obviously, the gig and the band. The, the band would understand. <laughs> no, they, would. <laughs> they wouldn't at all. I, I think, obviously, the band comes first. And but yeah. I'd yeah. hate it. <laughs> would you would you have an earpiece in just listening to the score as it went yeah, on? It's funny, um, we played. We had a gig uh, on the FA Cup final day last last year, and like m- most of the rest of the band, the City fans, Kyle's like, was, we were sound checking, and he had had it on his phone. I think we also play. Um, we play a a, a Manchester gig on the 29th of May which is a Friday which is like the biggest we're playing Academy 2 so like the biggest venue we've headlined and also the day after that is um, Champions League final day I don't think we're in it I don't think we're going to be in the Champions League final <laughs> no of course uh, but the, as I said they're all City fans so the, yeah. the, the, I think Kyle's been like I, I, I want us to lose to Madrid because because uh, yeah because band does come first I'm nope. afraid fair enough can't, can't question your commitment there well let, let's end on a county note then yeah. um, the, the, the players yeah, are looking good <laughs> we've got a bleeper it's fine so, uh, we look at the players that we've got this season Danny Lloyd's back Liam Hogan's yeah. coming Lois Maynard the quality of player is improving with all due respect to the, to, to the players yeah. already there playoffs this season yes or no can they happen um, I think we need to sign 
uh, a couple more players. I think we really missed. We looked so much better with Tom Walker in the team, uh, and when he when he left, went to Fylde, um we suffered. And I think I still think we are suffering. I think we need to replace him, and we need, we also need a striker as well to to put the ball in the net. But um, I think if we if we can add add the right players, then yeah, no, there's no reason why we shouldn't. Well, Mitch, you'll be packing your bags um, maybe in an hour or so. You've got a European <laughs> tour coming up this week. What what gigs have you got coming up that that maybe people can get to if they can't be in Madrid and, and Rome and everywhere else? Yeah, I just spoke about it. Um, uh, a, a little while ago um, we've got a gig on the 29th of May at, at um, Manchester Academy 2 as I said it's like the biggest venue we've had live yeah. love love everyone to get down because it's going to be a top night we've already started working on how we're going to work work the set and that and yeah so that's a big one for us excellent Mitch thank you very much for joining us thanks for having me So great stuff, Fuzzy Sun there, rounding off the podcast this week. As we said, we're going to try and bring you a few more of these kind of what county means to me type interviews. Probably more next year, to be fair, as we're rounding off the kind of getting to the end of the season here. But um, definitely an idea for, for next season. Yeah, I'm hoping to, uh, the, the next interview that we get in, I'm hoping is actually going to be with um, podcast and commentator Chris Ridgway. What it means to him, I think that'll be quite an interesting interview. Oh, we don't want like that idiot on the podcast. Chris, thanks. <laughs> yeah.